You know, I think today is going to be a fun podcast to talk about overall. I mean, it looks like, at least as of the recording of this podcast, the month of October is going to be a down month for the markets overall, which is quite sad because if they had ended Friday, at least we could have ended on a positive note last week. But it looks like things are going to be on the red for the remainder of today. Could be wrong. There could be a rally later. Like I said, by the time this podcast is done recording, the news might be completely changed and maybe the market goes back up. But there is some news that I'm quite surprised is not making headlines currently right now. At least not a little bit more, okay? So, first off, we have news from the auto industry. Self-driving truck startup 2Simply fires its CEO over improper ties to Chinese firm, okay? And what does that mean for this company in the making? We have some updated news also from Credit Suzy. Shares are a steal, says a new Saudi backer after they take a 9.9 stake in the company. And woo, that's a big one right there. We got some major news too from the wheat industry as well. Wheat, price, wheat prices jump by nearly 6% after Russia withdraws from vital Ukraine export deal. Which means food prices could be going up in a local store near you, potentially. Okay. Then we got some major news from China. Both from Shanghai Disney. Apparently they're shutting down again. And we'll get into the reason why. And there's another issue that's happening in China with factory uh, factory numbers for the month of October for China. I'll get into those numbers and what that could mean for, for the economy going forward in the world. So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please talk to professional advisors about your financial situation as they'd understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I legally cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. And with that, let's begin today's podcast. Self-driving truck startup, Too Simple, fires its CEO over improper ties to Chinese firm. Self-driving truck startup to Simply has fired its CEO after an international investigation found improper dealings and possible tech transfers to a Chinese firm led by Too Simply, now departed co-founder of the company said Monday. The San Diego-based startup operations chief will serve as interim CEO and president while Too Simply's board of directors search for a permanent successor. How was also the company's chief technology officer. Shares of Too Simply were down more than 40% early trading following the news. Too Simply said its regulatory filing Monday that based on an investigation by its board of directors, it believes some of its employees spent paid hours in 2021 working with Hydron, a Chinese startup development autonomous hydrogen power truck. Those employees shared confidential information with Hydron before the non-disclosure agreement was signed, Too Simply said. The board of investigations began in July and it's ongoing, the company said. The company's relationship to Hydron is under investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Securities and Exchange Commissions, according to a report Monday by the Wall Street Journal. Investigators are examining whether two simply leaders failed to make required disclosures about its transactions with Hydron and whether the dealings harmed two simply's investors, according to the report. Two simply didn't immediately respond to requests for comment on the report of the federal probes. Hydron was founded in 2021 by Mo Chen, a co-founder of Two Simply, who had previously served as an executive chairman. Hydron initially announced plans to build electric trucks powered by hydrogen fuel cells in North America, but its operations have so far been mostly in China. You know, I wonder in reality how many more of these companies within the United States are actually in this situation as well. 
I mean, think about this, okay? You know, there's been reports recently that a lot of these, well, obviously, like we've talked about in the past with the chips having moved back to the States. I mean, there's been a huge national concern over China, right? And so it makes me wonder, like with these companies that are interacting with Chinese companies from China, obviously, that I wonder how many secrets are getting out there. I mean, there have been reports in the past too that Apple, like Apple's products were being pretty much stolen and used by Chinese companies. And then these Chinese companies would start up to compete with Apple. And so that's kind of worrisome that this is another company potentially that is releasing information to a, another Chinese company and that's causing this to happen. And honestly, I mean, there, there has to be rules and governing bodies when it comes to the market. But at the same time, countries have their own rules and regulations at the end of the day. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, I think self-driving trucks would be a good thing for the U.S. economy overall. I am interested, though, like it said, about how there's supposed to be a hydro fuel cells in North America, but it's been mostly in China. The only thing that's me worried, though, is if you're using hydro fuel cells, wouldn't that also mean that water prices might eventually go up? I mean, in California in particular, we're already having water issues as it is, and now they want to use water in trucks. That's an interesting thought right there. But here's the thing with two simply two. Even though the stock is down 40%, this is not financial advice, obviously. It might be something to look into if you guys are personally interested in the company. I mean, self-driving trucks will be a huge benefit in the future. They will be. Because right now there's a trucker shortage, I believe there is. There's rail strikes in the making, potentially, and that's going to cause the trucker trucker's backlog to happen when it comes to getting supplies around. And apparently there's a drought in the Mississippi River as well, which I don't believe fully, but... They're reporting it as a drought right now. So the the whole dis- chain disruption could happen. Self-driving trucks might be the answer to help solve a lot of these issues. And the other thing too is you'd be able to keep self-driving trucks moving at all times, whereas someone who has to drive behind a truck has to get rest once in a while or they get tired. It's going to be interesting to see how this company rebounds from this at the end of the day and who takes over. But we should keep an eye because this is a startup that could be a difference maker in the future. On to the bank sector now. Credit Suzy shares are a steal, says new Saudi backers after taking a 9.9% stake. The chairman of one of Credit Suzy's newest and biggest shareholders called on a uh, called on the belligerent bank to deliver a swift overhaul and return to a very stable conservative Swiss banking process. Saudi National Bank, the kingdom's largest lender and majority owned by the Saudi government, announced Wednesday that it was investing up to $1.5 billion in Credit Suzy, representing a stake up to 9.9%. Quote, we've got it at the floor price. I think that the bank has been battered. Uh, the, by, the, the guy's name is Amar Al-Khuderi. I'm going to try my best to pronounce his name. I'm probably going to be pronouncing it wrong going forward. He told CNBC Hadley Gambley on Sunday, it's trading as less than a quarter of a book value, of tangible book value, which is, which is a steal. And it's a 160-year-old brand. The brand has a lot of value. The bank is reported set to become the second largest shareholder of Credit Suzy, second to Harris Associates. The Swiss lender posted a third quarter net loss of 4.034 billion Swiss francs last week, significantly worse than analysis estimates, and announced a massive strategic overhaul. Shares were down. Correction, shares are down around 55% this year after several scandals, management changes, and weak earnings releases. You know, I did not know about that when we reported this last week. That's an interesting thought. This almost sounds like Wells Fargo for a couple of years back. 
Continuing on, it says, in the anticipation strategic shift, the bank vowed to radically restructure its investment arm to significantly cut its exposure to risk-weighted assets, which are used to determine a bank's capital requirements. It also aims to cut its cost base by 15% or 2.5 billion Swiss francs by 2050. The SMB chairman cited Credit Suzy's investment banking unit as the Achilles heel of the company's uh, ascent accentuated by the current climate and increased market volatility. The biggest overhaul for Credit Suzy over the past couple of years has been volatility of the performance of their investment banks, he told CNBC. Al-Kuderi added that the banks over the years, three core businesses, which is real retail businesses, businesses in Switzerland, the private wealth management and asset management are very sustained, correction, are very stable businesses, streams that have been delivered, predictable, sustainable returns. Quote, so if you... So it's just moving back into a very stable, conservative Swiss bank posture, which we like, he said. In the short to medium term, Al-Kuderi said he feels that most important steps for Credit Suzy to undertake is to get the volatility business out of the quarterly earnings and focus on private wealth management and augment the retail business. Quote, it would urge them not to blink, but to hesitate and just execute the overhaul. The quicker, the better, he said. And then he says here in the article, it says, no intention to interfere with management. The investment comes on the heels of the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's encouragement of Saudi Arabia's largest firm to actively invest overseas and bolster its profile as a global investor. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund managers about $620 billion in assets and is integral to the Crown Prince's ambitions. However, when, it, when asked about the move by SMB to invest in enabled Swiss bank, Al-Qudari denied that it was necessary related to PIF, which rather an investment that was a manifestation of the new Saudi Arabia. You know, there's always opportunities out there once in a while. And I'm not saying that Credit Suzy is an opportunity. I mean, this investor obviously does from Saudi Arabia at the end of the day. But, I mean, things to think about too, okay? From like, I mean, they, they lost 4.034 billion Swiss francs, which is equivalent to 4.09 billion in earnings, okay? A net loss, actually. And if there's been a lot of scandals in this bank, that means it's something that if it can, if it can turn around, obviously it would be a, not this. Now this is not financial advice, obviously, but if they can turn things around, this could be a very, very smart move in the long run. It could be. Okay. And the only reason I say that is Wells Fargo was in a very similar situation a few years ago. Okay. Where they had a lot of scandals and they weren't making money. And then the federal government kept like dinging them on a lot of stuff. And now Wells Fargo is on the rebound currently right now. Small disclosure, I do have a small position in Wells Fargo currently. It's a long-term position. But Wells Fargo is actually, they're turning things around. And maybe Credit Suzy is going to be in the exact same situation soon. You never know. I mean, there's always that joke that says if you need money somewhere that you should put it in Switzerland. And they are in Switzerland. Remember, their competitor, I believe, which is UBS, did really well. And then Credit Suzy didn't do that well. So it's only a matter of time, maybe, before they turn things around. This isn't financial advice, obviously, but it is something to think about. Continuing on with articles, your food prices might be going up, potentially. Okay, Wheat prices jump by nearly 6% after Russia withdraws from vital Ukraine export deal. From CNBC, global wheat prices rose sharply Monday following Russia's withdrawal from the Black Sea grain export deal over the weekend. The most active wheat contract on the Chicago Board of Trade jumped 5.8% to $8.77 a bushel around 6 a.m. Eastern time after early hitting a high of $8.93 a bushel. Corn and soybean prices have also risen, but to a lesser extent, with corn futures up 2.6% and soybean futures climbing 0.7%. 
The increase comes after Russia announced Saturday that it was suspending its involvement in the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which allowed vital agriculture products to be exported from several Ukraine ports. Russia announced it was withdrawing from the deal for an indefinite period after it accused Ukraine of a massive drone attack on the Black Sea fleet in Sivastol in Crimea. Stevenspol in Crimea. In Crimea. Ukraine has not said whether it is responsible for the attack, and President Vladimir Zelensky said Russia withdrawal from the initiative was rather predictable. Ukraine's foreign ministry said, meanwhile, that Russia had suspended its participation in the grain deal on a false pretest of explosions 220 kilometers away from the grain corridor. And by doing this, it was blocking 2 million tons of grain on 176 vessels already at sea. Zelensky and foreign minister, uh, I, I don't even know how to say this dude's name from Russia, he accused Russia of starting a sabotage, the grain deal, in September. CNBC has contacted Russia's foreign minister for comment, uh, which has hit back at Washington acquisition, the Russia's aggregated the global food problem. And he says that, the, at least the Russian ambassador is saying that the Kiev's reckless actions have caused Moscow to suspend implementation of the grain deal. You know, the beautiful thing, at least here in the United States, we might not feel it as much. I mean, there will be a potential increase in food costs probably because of this. But we've talked about this grain issue in the past, in the past podcast. And I'd highly advise listening to our past podcast where we actually talked about the export numbers of grain and soy and all that stuff from Ukraine to the world. A lot of wheat also comes from Russia too, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like Russia had... My numbers might be off, but it was like 15 to 20% maybe of the world's wheat comes from Russia. So obviously Ukraine is not going to happen. Russia means, means Russia is going to probably send their grain to other parts of the world, but they can't do it through the Black Sea, it seems like now. Which is interesting because that's like their quote unquote warm port that they have to export things. So things are going to get really interesting. Nations that will be affected though are the nations that do accept wheat exports or imports actually from Ukraine. I mean, that's mostly the Middle East and parts of Africa, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, there's a high chance your food prices are going to be going up in the Middle East or Africa. In the United States, it might not as much because most of our wheat is done here in the United States, I believe. But at least overseas, food prices will be on the rise potentially. It says here, the food must flow. The United Nations, United Nations and Turkey, which helped Ukraine and Russia to reach a grain deal in July, were scrambling to rescue the initiative on Sunday. It said that they have agreed to plan with Ukraine to help move 16 vessels, 12 outbound and four inbound, that were stuck within the established maritime corridor. The organization overseeing grain exports, the Joint Coordination Center, added in a statement Sunday that in order to continue fulfilling the initiative, it was proposed that the Turkish United Nations delegations provided tomorrow, Monday, 10 inspection teams aiming to inspect 40 outbound vessels. The inspection plan had been accepted by the delegation of Ukraine, while Russia Federation delegation had been informed, it said. You know, there's a very simple solution to the ending this issue. We need peace talks, Okay. If food becomes a crisis in the making, which it might be in the Middle East and parts of Africa and maybe even parts of Europe, there needs to be peace talks in the making, in all honesty. Now, if that were to happen, then you can expect oil prices to potentially plummet. Maybe. There might be still a demand for oil, though, but this could potentially happen that way. But food prices, when people don't have food, potential revolution happens I had read somewhere once that when Amer non-Americans, but when the average person has to spend at least 40% of their income on food, that's when revolutions happen. 
So this is going to get really interesting to see how this is all dealt with soon. So not financial advice, obviously. On the next article, Shanghai Disney shuts over COVID. Visitors unable to leave. Now, this is kind of big news in the making. Okay, and this is from Rudders, but CNBC is reporting it from Rudders. Okay, it says Shanghai's Disney Resort abruptly suspended operations on Monday to comply with COVID nineteen prevention measures. With all visitors at the time of the announcement directed to stay in the park until they return a negative test for the virus. The result said at 11.39 a.m. local time, it would immediately shut down the main theme park and surrounding areas, including a shopping street, until further notice to comply with the virus curbs. The Shanghai government said uh, on its unofficial WeChat account, the park was barring people from entering or exiting and that all visitors inside the site would need to await the results of their tests before they could leave. Anyone who had visited the park since October 20th would need to test for COVID-19 three times in three days, it said. The theme park continued to operate rides for visitors stuck in the park during the closure on Monday, social media users reported. A Shanghai Disney Resort spokesperson said that the resort was still operating, limited offerings, and that there were following measures in line with guidelines from Chinese health authorities. The resort had on Saturday said that they had started operating with a reduced workforce to comply with COVID measures. Shanghai reported 10 local transmitted cases for October 30th, all of which were people without symptoms. The closure remarks the latest disruption for the Shanghai Disney Resort, which was shut down for over three months during Shanghai's lockdown earlier this year. The park also closed for two days in November last year with more than 30,000 visitors stuck inside after authorities ordered all of them to be tested in contact contact tracing exercises. Videos circulating on China's Weibo uh, correction, Weibo platform on Monday slowed, uh, showed people rush, rushing to the park gates where they're already locked. Rudders was not able to verify the authenticity of the videos and the Shanghai Disney result did not respond when people asked about how many visitors were inside. You know, I feel bad. I do for the people in China for this. And all honestly, it's pretty nasty that they're having a zero COVID policy. Okay. Which is fine. But you're never going to eradicate a disease completely. You're not. There's still diseases out there that we've had since the beginning of time. Okay. What's also interesting too, I want to know this. How is this going to affect Disney stock going forward? It's going to affect it in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Because Disney, they make a lot of their money from Shanghai. And now you have a park that's shutting down due to COVID-19. I mean, it even says here, it says, The local authorities across China have continued to impose abrupt and extreme measures to cut any possibility of the virus transmission once cases arise in line with the country's ultra-strict zero-tolerance approach towards COVID-19. You know, China is probably going to have a lot of struggles soon. I mean, they have the zero COVID policy. They're locking people in Shanghai now, like we're just reading, because... They want to make sure they have zero COVID policy, which is fine. That's their choice at the end of the day. But companies like Disney will be affected by this. And small disclosure, I do have a small position in Disney. It's a long-term position as well. But they, uh, they're they going to have some issues. They will. They will. Disney will. Good. I mean, it's a good thing that Disney switched their platform over to Disney Plus recently. Or not Disney Plus, just streaming service in general so that they wouldn't get banged as much on earnings because it used to be at 1.50% of their revenue came from parks and now Shanghai is being hit. This is going to affect Disney's earnings next quarter, most likely in some way, shape or form losing these days in the making, especially if this is going on for a couple days as well. 
especially if no one can leave. But the last most important thing, which is quite concerning, okay, says China's factory activity drops, bogged down by more COVID controls. From Beijing, CNBC, China's factory activity fell in October due to a frequent COVID outbreaks. The National Bureau of Statistics said Monday, the official purchasing um, purchasing managers indexing from the manufacturing fell to 49.2% this month, down from 50.1% September, the data showed. Economists have expected a print of 50, according to analysis polled by Rudders. Reading between 50 indicates a contraction in business activity, while figures of 50 above reflect expansion. The index surveys businesses on operating conditions. The index has come in below 50 for six out of the 10 months of the year so far. Sub-indicators on factory employment, production, new orders, and supplier delivery time all showed contractions in October compared to September. Quote, the decline in manufacturing PMI was driven especially by a drop in new orders, sub-index to 48.1 in October from 49.8 in September, pointing to a weaker future demand. And he also pointed out the employer sub-index has now been in on contraction territory for 19 straight months. Okay. And then we got some other news that's coming out too. Since Foxconn and COVID, scattered COVID outbreaks across the country have prompted tighter controls on business activity. One of the companies most notably hit is Apple's supplier Foxconn, which said last week its factory in the city of, I don't even know how to say that city, had the small cluster of cases. However, Chinese financial news magazine uh, reported citing two Foxconn employees had some workers knocked down dormitory isolated barriers and left the factory this weekend. The reporter cited one factory employee as saying operations were normal, while COVID control policies have changed with varying implement implementations over the last few days. Foxconn did not immediately respond to CNBC requests for comment. In an online notice Sunday, uh, municipality authorities announced plans to assist workers who wanted to leave the factory to return to their hometowns. You know, this is insane, okay? Now, now I'm starting to understand a little bit why Apple's looking to move some of its manufacturing to India. Because in China, they're so strict right now, they're potentially going to cause their own economy to crash. Like I said, there is almost no way you're going to wipe out a virus, okay? Let's put it this way, okay? Tuberculosis has been with the human race for a very, very long time. It's even something that we haven't even figured out how to completely eradicate. And honestly, we don't. The flu's still around too. We can't eradicate the flu. There is no way they're going to get rid of COVID. And this is something that's going to make, make things really interesting in China. You have this zero COVID policy where they're trying to eradicate COVID. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Viruses evolve. Or eventually a virus just becomes to a point to where you're able to live with it. Okay. Now it might mutate. That's a different story. But at the end of the day, viruses are, when once a virus is formed, it does what it can to live for as long as possible. China is going to potentially, and this is just my opinion at the end of the day, China is eventually going to hit its own recession. It will. Okay. You can't keep locking things down every time there's just one case of COVID. I just don't see how a country, an economy can last if you're constantly shutting things down or locking people up because one person has COVID. I just don't see how that's going to work at the end of the day. And it's something that you need to keep an eye out for. I personally wouldn't be surprised if more companies look towards India or other nations to start building stuff. Okay. Because think about this way too. If you're trying to make money here in this country, in the United States, in your company, and most of your manufacturing is done in China, and China keeps having this zero COVID policy, 
your factory might be shut down for a while in China because one person has COVID. What's to be done? Simple, move to another country. India is the bright spot potentially in the future. I can see a lot of companies moving to China and all honestly at the end of the day. And I mean, from China to India, I mean, because India doesn't have as strict of rules. And I also wouldn't be surprised either if some of their neighbors like Vietnam, Thailand, maybe even some parts of the Philippines start getting more manufacturing in those countries because China's policies are super strict right now. And like I also said too, I personally would, wouldn't be surprised if the Chinese economy hits a recession soon. If there's any country that I feel like could hit it first, could be China. Now, granted, the United States might be in its own recession, as I've mentioned in the past, but I personally think, personally, if there's a country that is going to eventually feel it first, China's up there. In all honesty, because of what's happening with these COVID restrictions and these reports that keep coming out. But that's my personal opinion. And just keep observing things like I do on this podcast. And it's just the thought. I mean, like I said, you can't keep locking things down without repercussions in the making. So, but we'll find out in the future how that works out in the end. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street and be able to keep reporting the news of when it happens. Please also continue to share this podcast with friends or family as every share helps grow this podcast as well. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.